Good morning, everyone. My name is Garrett. I'm one of the pastors here. This is my brother, Jason, and uh, he's the director of Milestones and Youth and Children Activities. And we're going to bring a message together to you this morning. I like this worship that we just did. There's lots of different things that can happen in worship, and today was just a little different. It, to me, it felt like God was, uh, it was quieter. It was like it was creating an opportunity where God could say, hey, lean in. I want to tell you something new. I think that's going to happen for some this morning. I think this morning, and maybe you've been sensing it for a while now, that God has something new for you. Um, This morning is for those of you who are sensing a change happening in your spiritual walk. Um, The change sounds something like this. Although I'll never stop learning about God, I think I'm ready to do something for God. I remember when that change overtook me. I remember well being at the stage where I uh, would tune into college, uh, Christian radio on the way to and from college, and I hung on every lesson. You know, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What does it mean to be in the world but not of it? I remember sitting on the floor back then and listening to Bible studies, you know, in a little group of people about every uh, word of of Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. And I still love moments like that to learn about God. But after several years of that, I began to feel a peculiar itch. When I'd read about the call of Abraham, I'd wonder, do I have a calling? And when I'd read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and Peter and Paul, I'd wonder, do I have gifts to build up the church? I'd hear stories about everyday people who are reaching their friends and neighbors with the good news of Jesus. And I'd think, I could do that. I could reach my friends and neighbors with the good news of Jesus. And at that point in my journey, although learning about God was still great, it was no longer enough. I was ready to do something for God in this world. This morning is for all of you who may be feeling that same itch. And this Sunday is important for those of you feeling that itch because I think all of us have done something really big, actually, when we walked through those doors. I think whether we realize it or not, whether you've been here for 20 years or you are new here because a friend that you thought was just having you over for barbecue invited you here. But when you walked through those doors, I think you entered a movement. It's the movement of the church of Jesus Christ. And I think that when this movement is done right, with all the things that I see of people trying to solve problems, I believe the church is the hope of the world. And I really believe that. Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Now, I've read history books about the rise and fall of some very mighty empires. And even in my short lifetime, I've seen the rise of a billion-dollar corporations and, and, and then the sudden collapse of these very same, collab- these same corporations. I've wondered, how on earth does that happen? But for 2,000 years, ever since God himself came to earth, And he got himself nailed to a cross. And he said, behold, the way of love. 
His church has carried that message forward. It's the lived out message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Love pictured. And when done right, I think it's the hope of the world. Now, I'm not naive. The church can be, pretty, can be just as petty or just as judgmental or just as power hungry as the rest of the world. But this is not what I think of when I'm picturing the church, the hope of the world. I'm, I'm thinking about the church as it was first handed to me. An image that was given me in, in this book here when I was 17 years old. And in a title of this book, or a chapter in this book titled, This is Church. And this image that this book gave me still inspires me today. I read it like six months ago and was like, yeah, yeah, I remember this. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to read you a couple pages of this chapter right now. This is church. He's gone. The paramedic speaks slowly and softly, as if to ease the truth into Karen's mind. But the truth strikes like a missile and explodes in shock and loneliness. She feels jerked from reality, thrust into a twilight zone of pain. Then the gentle touch of Anne's hand draws her back. Jeff's firm embrace surrounds her with strength. Jenny's whispered word reminds her that she is not alone. The tears that fall from David's eyes help her to find her own. For over two years, Tim and Karen had poured time and energy and love into each member of the small group they led. Now, the love circles back and soothes the raw edges of their grief. And this is church. 29 years old and worth a million, headed straight towards the top. Then the rich young ruler meets Jesus. Lay it on the line, the Savior says. Put your money where your mouth is. It's December, building time fund. The rich, rich young ruler stares at the stage in the overcrowded, rundown theater that the congregation calls home. He shifts in the dirty seat, smashes another kernel of popcorn under his heel. Lay it on the line. The Savior says, the rich young ruler tucks his hand into the pocket of his corduroy coat and gently fingers the tiny paper that defines his success. And when the offering plate is passed, he carefully slides a check that shatters his net worth beneath the mound of crumpled bills. And this is church. Angie pulls into the parking lot as she does every Monday night. But on this night, she drives past her usual parking area and parks her car by the maintenance building near the rear of the property. Walking back towards the church building, she silently thanks God again for the mechanics who volunteer their time on Monday nights while Angie attends the ministry for single mothers and her daughter attends a class for children of divorce. A grease-smeared hero with his back on a concrete floor replaces the U-joints on her car. And this is church. Peanut butter, spaghetti, baked beans, powdered milk, coffee, cereal, soup, canned stew, diapers, shampoo, toothpaste. Sue continues down the list, buying three of each item requested. The checkout clerk comments on her triplicate buying, but Sue only chuckles. On Sunday, Sue wraps the bag of groceries in a black garbage bag and leaves them on the pavement behind her car while she attends church. During the service... Volunteers load thousands of black garbage bags into pickup trucks and transport them to a local food pantry, which feeds hundreds of needy people each month. And this is church. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dale and Ellen are well into their later years of life. 
Yet, as they rise up out of the icy water of the pond, they seem like kids. And in a sense, they are. In terms of faith, they're toddlers, mere babes at most. But what happy toddlers they are. And what a sensation they cause. On the grassy hill, there is applause and cheering, an all-out carnival of joy. Their small group leader laughs so hard he cries. Their daughter runs to greet them with bear hugs and warm towels. Their unchurched neighbors are a bit confused, but delighted to see their longtime friends so happy. It's a celebration fit for heaven. And this is church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done among the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is church. This morning is for everyone who is sensing a change in your spiritual journey. And that journey and that change sounds something like this. You know you have something to offer. You know you have unique gifts. You've seen them and sensed them. That you could be an integral part of many of the things Jason described or things just like them. This is a point in your journey when you can see weaknesses in the church. You can see holes in this church, in the ministry. You can see gaps in the care. But you no longer say, well, someone should fix that. You no longer have an urge to write a note to one of the pastors, letting them know a ministry that's being overlooked. All you can think is this. I could address that. I could get involved and be a part of strengthening my church. There's my calling. I need to let the pastors know that that I can do it. You no longer think that ministry is someone else's job. You sense your own responsibility and you're eager to take it. And this morning is for everyone who feels that same calling. Everyone who's saying, I have a goal. I want to reach the lost or I want to reach the hungry, feed the hungry or, or I want to help the hurting or, or I want to bring creativity into the church or I want to serve someone or something that's been forgotten. One person that comes to mind when I think of someone that has a lot of ownership in this church is Lenny Prestia. And some of you may know him and if you do, you know that he genuinely feels blessed by some godly men that um, provided a lot of leadership and wisdom and direction and pushed him towards Jesus early in life. And out of gratitude, Lenny is constantly trying to figure out the best way to pass this torch on to others. I think Lenny is gifted in leadership and discipleship and encouragement. He and Scott Boldry, another guy that I could go on and on about, have walked with and mentored a group of boys now graduating from high school. And Liddy has led guys' trips. He's an expert in fun. And this year, he started a group around his passion for for uh, uh, learning wilderness survival skills. And I was just out there with him. I hope they come home. (laughs) If you know what we really did, I I can assure you they will. Uh, (laughs) 
we survived. But through our conversations, I know that his real hope for this group is that it will be a place where men can encourage one another to keep the faith. That's Lenny's hope. And I know that in future years, he hopes that this group can be something that, that he can invite some of these younger boys he's been mentoring and other young men around this church into. So that when, when men in this church are together, they can build each other up. And when young men are come, we can raise up a new generation of godly men. Lenny wants to go before the boys just as his mentors went before him. But let's be clear, it's God that is at work here at Lakeland raising up godly men in our community, young and old. And Lenny has chosen to participate in this and in what God is doing. Now, as I began to sense this change, uh, I needed help to negotiate this milestone in my spiritual journey. For one thing, I was unsure if the gifts I had were really spiritual gifts. I was a school teacher back then, yet when I came to church, I did not have a, an inclination to, to work with teenagers in church. I was passionate to teach them science through the week, very passionate, but not, not so much the Bible. And, and some people at that time really looked down on me for that, um, really said, how can you give your life to teenagers as a profession and then not want to um, attend to their soul and, and spirituality here in the church? I didn't have a good answer for that, but I, I did have a sense that sometimes your profession and your call from God are one and the same, and sometimes they're not. So the church offered a weekend on spiritual gifts and passions, and I took that class, and the person God made me to be burst into clarity during that weekend, and that image that God gave to me of who he made me to be has stood the test of time. To this day, I still believe God has made me to be an administrator, to organize chaos. He has made me a giver to make money and give it to the right causes. He has given me discernment, the ability to see through the many philosophies and beliefs of this world and see where God is present and absent in them. And he has made me a teacher of his word to take the scriptures and bring them into our time. And none of that makes me special. Because the scriptures say that God has given a gift to everyone who follows him for building up the church. But I needed help to discover all this because I would do these uh, things in the church with my gifts. And then I get really weary and tired from doing stuff at church with my gifts. I was signed up for every team in the church back then, seemed like. And I was tired. I sang in the worship team, I ran the video screens, I set up the chairs, I directed the dramas. Um, I became cranky and resentful and hard to deal with. Maybe that's why the leaders of the church took me on a conference. <laughs> took me to a conference where we learned about ministry burnout. That we are all limited. That no matter how right and good all of this is, no one person has what it takes to do it all. And to try to do it all is idolatry of yourself. And as I learned this, I wept with relief because God was setting me free from all of that. I needed some help because I realized that I was doing ministry too much for me and not enough for others. Um, I wanted to be noticed, I wanted to be appreciated, and I wanted to be thanked. And when I was noticed and appreciated and thanked, it was never enough. And I began to 
See, Jesus wasn't like that. I needed help because it felt like I was performing on a stage all the time. I'd go to work and perform there. I'd come home and perform there. Then I'd run off to church three days a week and perform here. So in frustration for a time, I tried to detach myself from the church. I fantasized that I could come here to Lakeland and just do something really simple and go home. You know, there. No fuss, no bother. That did not work either. It was killing me to be on every team. It was killing me to try not to be on any team. And it was killing me because I was swimming against the call of God on my life. God didn't want me serving on every team in the church, nor did he want me hiding and minimizing. He wanted me to focus on passion and the gifts given by him to hear his calling. Now, what is your passion? What are the gifts given to you by God? And what is your calling? For this stage of the journey, God wanted me to take charge of a team or or a cause and take the church for that section in a new direction. What new direction does God want you to take Lakeland in? If you're resonating with these stories, then we have the next stage on the milestone journey, and it's for you, and it's called The Call. See what we did there? (laughs) So to understand the call of what that milestone is going to be, let's watch this video. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, he teaches that the unity of the body of Christ is absolutely critical for us to understand who we are in this world. God's at work, and we get to participate in that work, not building our own kingdom or our own Tower of Babel or some monument to ourselves. Instead, we submit to the Holy Spirit and come together and do the work of God as one, as the body of Christ. To really dive into this, we need a time that we can gather around a milestone so we can discover our unique gifts and learn to walk together for the mission of the church. We've named this milestone The Call. When I was 20 years old, I started to meet other people my own age who had also heard God's call to join the mission of His church. There was a huge amount of ministry to be done, and no one of us had all the skills that it took. Some were teachers, some were hospitable, others had great faith. As a young adult, I took the test uh, for spirituality and the tests on the strength finders and realized, oh, all those things I was good at, I was good at for a reason. God has blessed me with these gifts. And so I realized moving forward with those, instead of trying to be something that I'm not necessarily, instead I maximized my efforts into following my strengths, my skills, my passions. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says, There are many gifts one spirit. When I first read that, it was like discovering that I and people in our church had superpowers. Force is strong with this one. You're a wizard, Harry. And the more we learned about how God made us, the more his power was unleashed through us into his mission. I'm passionate about connecting women to each other and to God. Being a part of women's ministry was great, and we had um, a great community. I feel like God was telling me that I was more passionate about connecting women with each other and not necessarily uh, growing them spiritually through retreats. So now my main focus is events um, and connecting women in that way and through leading a small group as well. My dream for Lakeland is that we would provide opportunities for everyone to participate in the building of the kingdom of God right here, right now in our midst. 
The scriptures say to each one is given a gift of the Spirit, and it is the duty and amazing privilege of every Christ follower to look within oneself and ask for that gift to be revealed. And once it is revealed, to use that gift in his church to answer his call. So we're going to just tell you a little bit about the call, the milestone that's coming up. So Jason, tell us about what's coming. Yeah, so the call is um, going to be a two-day milestone. It's going to be a conference. So it'll be a Friday night into a Saturday. And it really has two main objectives. The first objective of the call is to be a place that we can come and learn our, our strengths this time around. We're doing a strength finders deal. So um, come and figure out what ha- how has God wired you specifically. I really like that Trevor said uh, in his story that he maximized, he learned to maximize what God had given him. It's funny because I know that maximizer is one of Trevor's uh, top strengths, and he is gifted at that. He's good at taking things and making them way better. So find out how you're uniquely wired, and then from that, our second objective is then to um, have this be a way that people can either start up new ministries around Lakeland or um, become a really high-capacity volunteer for already existing ministries. Um, and so that's what this conference will be, is a place to come, learn your spiritual gifts. You can sign up right now if you wanted to on the app. There's a registration table uh, right outside, and then, of course, on Lakeland Connect. Um, if you're interested in that, two-day conference, and I think it could be kind of the, a starting point. We wash in, as Charlie said, learn who we are, and then who sees how God will wash us out. That will yet be determined, you know. Um, now, we want to talk a little bit. We're going to expand the definition of staff. So up, till the, up to this point, when we say staff here at Lakeland, we have primarily meant the 12 to 16, depending on time of year, folks who are, who are paid to be here. And uh, when you look at the global ministries that Lakeland does and all the different ministries, clearly these, these 12, 16 people are not doing it all. So it's not even true now. So we want to honor what's actually going on and expand that to anyone who leads a team that does ministry. And so we're going to get staff t-shirts for these folks. We're going to move one of our staff meetings to a month to a time when folks who don't work here can come and participate in it. So this will become a, a place to continue this learning even after the conference, to learn more about our gifts, to celebrate each other's ministries, to hear what's going on in each other's ministries, um, to be equipped to do them, to get information that every leader in the church should have. I mean, some of you lead teams and then you turn out to be the last to know when we change something and that's, you know, just wrong. So we want to um, have all the folks who are truly staff and leading teams be encouraged, celebrated, and on the front end of whatever information needs to be shared as a church as we grow together in ministry. So that's one of the things that we'll be uh, doing. Tell yeah. us about mentoring. Yeah, as, as one part of when we bring on a new staff member, first thing we do is assign a staff mentor because um, you know, there's nuts and bolts that are part of ministry, and there's diving in, and there's fears, and there's challenges, and there's hardships, and then there's really great moments you need people to celebrate with. Um, and so we provide mentors for our staff. We want to do the same thing for um, people that come out of the call conference and say, you know what? I want to take a shot. I, I want to be a part. If this is the single hope of the world, I want to be a part of it. But I'm sure there's ups and downs with it, and so then we want to you know, provide a mentor um, that can walk with you and celebrate with you and guide with you, just like, you know, we all kind of have. 
Yeah, he talked about ups and downs. Soul care is a really important part of what we do. So, you know, you take Scott, he leads the greeter team. Melissa leads the coffee bar. These folks are not, are not paid to do that. They uh, give of their time. Um, those are very important ministries of the church. Now, leading a team that does ministry is very challenging all by itself. But then the fact that you're doing it for God means you have all the power of hell against you. And so we have, which makes it just so much easier. Um, So we have to keep our eyes on God. We have to keep our ear to the spirit. Jesus has to be our continuous example. We need soul care. We need practices to help us do that because the Christian world is full of stories of people who got full of passion and full of a calling and went out to save the world and then they got themselves into, you know, some very bad trouble. The news loves to pick that up. Um, People shoot videos of them when they snap and put it on YouTube and it all goes very, very badly because of not enough soul care to go along with that calling. So we want to provide soul care for everyone who runs a ministry, paid and unpaid, all staff, so that we can run the race with endurance that God has set before us, that we can all reach the high calling. Uh, Jason, tell us more about the uh, discovery of strengths and so forth. Yeah. The Bible is clear in Luke 10 when it says, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And I think we can look around the world and see that that's true. Um, so, you know, I wonder what kind of passions might bubble up out of, out of, out of a conference, what kind of strengths. When I look around, I certainly kind of have a little bit of a passion for, you know, like single mom and now being a parent, I'm, I'm one of those, like, how is it possible? So, um, I would, I would love to see Lakeland be a place where single moms can get more and more support. And so maybe someone will come to this and find their passion in that and find strengths to do something about that and, and get rolling. Or like cars ministry, as I mentioned in the book, or um, working towards crisis, stockpiling resources so that we're ready when hurricanes strike somewhere. We've got resources that we can send and respond um, immediately. Um, I know a guy that you know, has an idea to create a way for kids to, that are going on our trips around high school, which you know, they can be expensive. And sometimes I wonder if there's kids that can't go because of that. He wants to create a way for them to come and actually earn their way on the trip, but, but do it by, with some stuff that they could do right here in this building. And it's a resourceful idea. It's very clever and brilliant, and I'd like to see that happen. So the call will be a place to come and maybe dream a little bit and find your gifts, and then out of that, God might just start taking some of us and saying, yeah, let's do this. I've I've already been doing this, is what he'll say. I've already had this work. I've been just waiting for you to respond and participate with me in it. And that's what the call will be all about. Yeah. 80% of the items you see on the the 2020 initiatives were um, ministries that just people here in the church heard God's call and they took a step out in faith. And, And it just went from there. No, no, no pastor or elder dreamed any any of that stuff up. So it's all come from people hearing the call. We want to give everyone an opportunity who's ready for it to hear that. So there are three correct responses to what you're hearing today. And the first correct response is for those of you who are saying, man, this is me. Every story they tell, every problem they talk about, every joy they express, that's me. If that's you, then you're ready for the call. So what you should be doing as your next step is clearing off your May 5th and 6th travel schedule and, and signing up for the conference. You could be signing up right now on the app, or you can go out to the uh, sign-up table as you walk out of here today, and that'd be the next step for those of you who are responding that way. There's two other correct responses. You could also say, 
that I was like that 10 years ago, but um, maybe not there anymore. And so perhaps you're on a, uh, one of the generation retreats or you're in an inward journey milestone. You've, you've had a crisis in your life and you're ready to, you need some time and a season to pray and reflect. Then if that's your answer, then stick with that. Uh, another correct response to what you've heard today is, whoa, baby, that is way too intense. Um, whatever you guys are talking about, uh, it, you seem real excited about it. Um, I am not ready for that. You're still in a place where learning about God is filling your soul. So how many of you were in the Origins Milestone last fall and you loved that? How many of you were just in it? <laughs> so you're, if you're in it and you loved it, then stay in it, right? We're going to have Origins Part 2 this fall and it's called the Pathways Milestone. So for those of you who are still in that place, your best next step is just to hang tight and wait for us to start talking about the Pathways milestone this fall and then, and then jump in on that. And then for some of you, you have um, children and there are milestones that your kids are going through and that you as families are going through with your kids. And so this might be a season where that is what you're focusing on and that's also perfectly acceptable. What we're trying to communicate is that we believe everyone here is on a spiritual journey. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I promise you God's doing things in your life that is moving you somewhere. But we're all in different places. So let's pull back a little bit from the call and let's remember there's a big spiritual journey that takes our whole life and uh, it's the milestone journey. And this video we're going to use to remind us of that. With a clap of thunder... God saved Samuel and his people. Samuel gathered the people and raised an Ebenezer, a pile of stones. It represented God's help to this point, and surely this help would continue. Surely they are on some sort of path, an adventure with the Most High God in a promised land. Like the ancient Israelites, God is calling us to adventure, to walk with Him. But this path is not without struggle. It can feel like it lacks direction as it felt to the Hebrew people. It is important to come together to remember, to raise an Ebenezer and say, look what God is doing. At the milestones, we reorient together. We gather tools, to prepare for the next leg of the journey. We might gather and reorient around the Word of God. We might take a season to slow and pray, seek clarity. We might discuss the needs of the church, remind ourselves of its mission, and take action. We remember the poor. We remember compassion we gather with friends that are in similar places of the journey. We share what we have learned on our journey with those that are just starting out. We take a season to stop and take notice, to awaken our senses to the beauty of God's creation. At each milestone marker, we gather, we learn, we reflect, we grow. And we move closer to Christ to live in this world as we ought to live in His image. 
these are our milestones, where we say God has helped us this far. Surely, He will continue. So if you're getting the image then, everyone, this is, this is base camp. And we're all got 2017 ahead of us, and we're all going to go somewhere, but not necessarily on the same path. So you've got the different trailheads marked out in front of you, and you want to pick one intentionally that's right for you. So how many of you in 2017 sometime will be doing a milestone with your kids or your family? Maybe you've got second graders who are going to do the first communion milestone or middle schoolers who are ready for confirmation. Or you've got uh, a kid who transfer, uh, trans, uh, transition into kindergarten. That's a milestone. Or transition into high school. That's a milestone. So how many of you will be doing one of those milestones this year? Who's in a Generations or Continuance Retreat with Dan, nobody have Good. Who's taking Pathways, Origins Part 2 this fall? Who might think about signing up for the call? Who's brand new to Christianity or just coming back to the faith and you'd like a small group to help you get started on a spiritual journey? That's going to start in six or eight weeks. Now, I'm going to assume that the rest of you who haven't raised your hand for anything have the deliberative strength, which you can learn more about if you go to the call conference. You're checking this out. You're thinking it over before you commit to anything. So I want to say to you, welcome. And we are committed to doing whatever we can do to help you find your next step. Remember that the the milestone pathway is a journey that is lifelong and it has many steps and many stages along the way. We're all on this journey. Everyone's call is to make your journey this year intentional. Intentionally pick a path that takes you from where you are to someplace closer to God. And that's that's everyone's call this morning. Amen? Amen. Let us pray together. Father, I pray this morning that you would give us all clarity to understand where we are and how to take the next step that will bring us closer to you, that we might better love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and love our neighbors as we love ourselves. For your son Jesus said that that sums up everything. We pray this in his name. Amen. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.